Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I hope everybody out there has been enjoying the the Vin Scully Twitter takeover that's happened since his passing a couple nights back. I know I have. And I think what I have to do, I don't know... I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, but for about two years now, by the way, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. For about two years now, I've been claiming that I'm going to start a Dodgers show. I've been a Dodgers fan since I was about four, probably earlier, but I don't remember the other stuff. My uh, my mother's, my parents' house, my father passed away a few years back. My mother's house, uh, she still... I mean, this. I don't know if this is what all moms do or if mine's just a little bit of a leveled-up pack rat. The uh, There's a bucket in the closet of my old bedroom from uh, when I was a kid. It's, uh, it's almost like a garbage can. It looks like a garbage can, but I think it's got some sports logos on it. I have no idea where we came up with that thing. But it still has like five or six Dodgers mini-bats from the late 80s. I have no idea why they're still in there. I mean, mini bats are wonderful. They've pretty much stopped giving them out because the kids just beat the snot out of each other, and it's really not great for parents. But I, I had them. I loved them. I used to just imitate every player's batting stance in the mirror. Four or five-year-old Dan. I thought, well, maybe I'll play baseball. And then everybody grew. <laughs> everybody grew. But little Dan didn't grow. You guys know I broke five feet in, I think, late 10th grade. That was a... Ah, man, middle school was rough. Um, I did manage to uh, achieve a whopping five foot nine, so there was a pretty good little jump there at the very end of high school, but obviously still a small guy. I had no prayer of playing professional baseball. I really didn't even have a prayer of playing high school baseball. Uh, but then the sort of the real love took over, and that was talking about it and most of you guys know this I was a minor league broadcaster for about 10 years before the team I worked for up in Bakersfield I worked in Visalia and Bakersfield those are two cities in the middle of California for those listening across the globe minor league teams tend to find themselves in slightly smaller areas although Bakersfield has 400,000 people in the city because big league clubs don't unless it's their own farm club they tend to want to push teams a little farther out they don't want them right around the big league club because it's hard to compete you don't want to compete so on so forth lots of other reasons um so that was i mean i again that's how i ended up in that and and we're talking about vin scully here the last couple of days this is why i ended up in this spot i thought i wanted to play baseball but i just wanted to talk about it and then as i moved along as i got really through into the mid-90s, that was where I kind of added basketball to the the arsenal. I, I started to watch Laker games. They weren't that great in the mid-90s. That was the uh, Sedale Threat, Cedric Sabalos era Lakers where they were okay, but never all that good. Um, and I picked a pretty good time to start rooting for them because it was only a few years later that Kobe showed up, Shaq showed up, and, well, then... Lakers domination in the early 2000s, and then they had sort of second go-around, and, and now... LeBron and so forth. If you're a Laker fan, there's really pretty rarely any downtime. I do feel pretty good about the fact that I started watching them when they were bad. 
Everybody's like, oh, bandwagon. No, actually, I would. I was the opposite direction on that team. I was like, oh, this is the Los Angeles team? All right, fair enough. Let's rock. <laughs> no, sorry, I couldn't bring myself to care about Danny Manning. Sorry, Clips. Um, so I feel like the only way, and not that this is like some sort of honoring thing, it just feels like the right thing for me to do is to finally figure out a way to carve out the time to get that Dodgers podcast going. And I don't know how many of you would care. I don't know how many of you even pay attention to baseball, let alone the Dodgers. But I don't know. just feels like the time. There's something that needs to push me into it. Also, uh, I really would like to get more into our YouTube stuff at Sports Ethos. And that's not even on the Dodgers side. It's kind of unrelated to that discussion. But uh, the wonderful Joe Orico, host of our Fantasy MLB Today show, put on a live MLB trade deadline podcast. We had a live draft show coverage for the NBA. They're doing Dynasty live shows. Uh, the YouTube feed for Sports Ethos is getting a pretty good upgrade this year. So I'd strongly recommend you guys check that out. That's sports or uh, youtube.com slash sports ethos. And of course, go get yourself a fantasy pass. Sportsethos.com. Hover over the premium tab. It's got football in it now. It'll have basketball in it later this month. Might as well just get it ahead of time. Might as well get your football stuff. You don't want to be stuck with like two days to prep for your football draft. So get it now. Fantasy Pass is just $5.99 a month. You're only starting it like two weeks earlier than you would normally. So check that out over at Sports Ethos. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris and let's dive into today's stuff. Yesterday was a weird day for the podcast because I had a show and I lost it. I uploaded the wrong one. I deleted the correct file. It was not rescuable at that point because I had never actually saved the raw audio. Every time I do that, I say, oh, I'll save the raw audio next time. And then I never do because then I go like three or four months without doing something dumb and think, all right, I'm good. I'm not going to do anything dumb anymore. And then I do something dumb again. In the original version of yesterday's podcast, I was recording when the news of Vin Scully's passing broke. So that show got cut short by me kind of falling apart emotionally and then the, the actual one, the one that you guys got to hear, the re-record yesterday afternoon, I ended up explaining what the hell happened to the first recording, and so that one kind of got cut a little bit short. But it doesn't matter. That's the beauty part. The beauty part is we're in no rush. We're on first pass. It continues here today, by the way. First pass of our mega list, which, as you guys know from me, is really all about tiers. But the way that we get to those tiers, T-I-E-R-S, just in case you guys were curious what tiers I'm talking about here, not the ones I was shedding two days ago, the buckets, I like to call them buckets because it's funnier and because uh, buckets doesn't have two spellings or two meanings like tiers does. The way we get to our buckets is to arrange the players in some sort of order, a rough order at the very least, of how we think they're going to finish this year with, and this is the hardest part, I believe, the hardest part is deciding what value to place on the totals versus the per-game element for these players' values. Because at the top of the draft, like we talked about before, and I'll, I'll repeat this periodically throughout this, this entire process, at the top of the draft, you are leaning more into totals. I don't know if you want to call it like a 70-30 total split. And as you get into the middle of the draft, it becomes more like a like a 60-40 per game split 
And then as you get towards the back end of the draft, it's almost exclusively per game hunting. It's like 90-10, maybe more even. It might be a 99-1. But figuring out where those cutoffs occur, that's all part of the bucket process. And we just have to be cognizant of that as we're going through these players and loading them into the list. Yesterday, we did the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors as we move through the Pacific Division, which today puts us on the Los Angeles Clippers and their updated roster, which, by the way, is an extremely deep roster. Clippers roster is, is loaded to the hilt with good basketball players, obviously adding John Wall this offseason, Paul, or, uh, Paul George now healthy again after missing most of last season, Kawhi healthy after missing all of last season. And so we'll do the same process, but this Clippers one is going to take a little more finagling than some of the other ones. There's going to be easy teams to slot, and there's going to be tough ones. Last year, at the end of the season, players that finished the year with the Clips, they had, and you're splitting hairs a tiny bit here, but they had eight players that were ranked inside the top 150 on a per-game basis, although four of those eight were dangling inside the top 150. Ivica Zubas was 135, Isaiah Hartenstein was 142, Marcus Morris was 148, Luke Kennard was 149. Safely, we can eliminate three of those four players because Hartenstein ain't there anymore, so that's an easy one. I mean, he'll probably end up back on our list later, but we don't have to do it while we're organizing the Clippers. Uh, Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris, the fact that they're sitting right at the edge of the top 150, that's, there's, there's no up for those guys. They played 29 and 27 and a half minutes, respectively, and those numbers are not headed up from where they were. So wipe those three players out, and we'll just look at five from last year. Paul George, who obviously does need to be slotted into this year's scheme. Uh, and we can go ahead and we can plop him in there. And, and this is a tough one because... On a per-game basis, Paul George would be the second-highest-ranked player we've had so far. Steph was number 6, PG was 16, Chris Paul was 19, Devin Booker was 20. The problem, of course, is that Paul George hasn't come close to playing a full season in multiple years now. Basically, since he's been a Clipper, I don't see any reason why that is going to magically change. And as we've talked about, up near the top, you are hunting totals value mostly, unless there's a massive per-game edge for one guy. And when you think about the fact that Paul George effectively was like about 9% more valuable than Chris Paul and Devin Booker per game, but by totals it wasn't even close, he's got to go in behind those guys on my board. So Paul George at 4 on our list right now, but again, I like the numbers don't really matter, is where he ends up. Rob Covington, who we know has been dealing with some stuff this offseason, I think he came out and talked about depression and other things going on in his personal life, uh, somehow managed to have a, a, a pretty good last month with the Clippers, despite playing only 23 and a half minutes per ball game. He averaged 13 points, five boards, three threes, 2.3 defensive stats, and shot an unsustainably high 53% from the field and 88% at the free throw line. That stuff is not going to stick. I love Rob Covington. You guys know that. I've been a uh, Rob Covington super fan for a very long time. But there's just no reason to think that he could keep up a top 35 clip 
while only playing 23 and a half minutes per ball game. Still, he does belong on draft boards. We're seeing that this sort of the high octane Rob Covington is trapped in there someplace. And just because Kawhi is coming back doesn't mean that that Rob is going to get forced out. He'll be battling with Nick Batum for power forward minutes. He'll get some backup minutes at the three, probably. I mean, this team is just, again, so absurdly loaded that you've also got to worry about Norm Powell. He's coming up next. Marcus Morris will be fighting with these guys in there. Uh, There is still a bit of a hole in the traditional center sense. I know Zubats was fine this last year, but... uh, if anything, that would be sort of the the weak point. Then they could, I guess, go to Marcus Morris, space the floor there. If they wanted to run Batum at the five, they could. You got some options, I guess. Uh, but Zubats is really kind of the only actual big man on the roster. Uh, so, you know, how does Covington get to 23, 24 minutes per game? It remains to be seen, but he is going to be one of their better defensive players, and he is a floor spacer. Every team loves a good floor spacer. So I'm going to assume he gets about 22, 23 minutes per game, takes a pretty medium-sized step back, and that drops him down probably in that Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins grouping. And I'll go ahead and put him ahead of Wiggins, but behind Draymond Green. So Covington is now officially on our board. Norman Powell. Finished the season very strong in the games that he was healthy enough to play. Uh, which, not many. I think he played with, what, like the last two or three games of the regular season. Was pretty good with the Clips prior to getting hurt. Missed a lot of that time in the middle. Um, but again, he becomes a little bit of a luxury this year. Because the Clippers are going to have to decide. Look, Paul George is going to be in there. Kawhi is going to be in there. Those guys are likely the starting two and three on the Clips. Meaning Powell doesn't really have a place to start. Unless they shuffled Kawhi up to the four. Or PG up to the four. Seems unlikely. They also have John Wall, Reggie Jackson to think about. If they want to do something with those guys in the backcourt. Does Batum start? Does Marcus Morris start? It's hard to see Norman Powell starting. And so then it's kind of hard to see Norman Powell getting usage, which is, unfortunately, that's what he needs for value because he doesn't do a ton of other stuff. He's a good percentages guy who can score efficiently, but he gets pushed down the pecking order by at least one, maybe even two slots, depending on how much they expect out of John Wall. So Powell's a guy I'm likely fading this season. Yeah, he does still belong, like, kind of near draft boards. But to me, he's got to be down there kind of with Wiggins, as opposed to where we're talking about Covington. He's slotted above him. Powell's kind of right in that same general area. I don't think this season has a great outlook for him unless, well, we know Clippers, Clippers are missing some time at some point, but uh, it won't be pretty. Nick Batum was at 123 last year. Uh, excuse me, down the stretch. He was a 116 on the overall. He's another guy who's trending the wrong way. Um, not enough guys can get hurt for him to do enough to have sustained fantasy value. So, I, you know, I don't know that he necessarily needs to be on boards, uh, but he can go down there, I don't know, somewhere in that that lowest group we were talking about, the Cam Johnson, Jonathan Kaminga, Dante DiVincenzo. I'll go ahead and I'll put Batum 
at the at the total bottom. I don't think you need to spend a draft pick on him, but he probably does end up finding his way inside the top 150. And then if it's the Zubats, who, again, as the team continues to get deeper, he's just going to do less and less. I'll put him ahead of Batum because I think he falls farther. Um, but I don't see any real reason to draft Zubats outside of like the deepest head-to-head leagues where you want a durable center with no upside. So those are your Clippers from last year. We've slotted those five guys into our board. Now we have to assess what's going on this year. Who got added that might be relevant? Or was there someone that was already there that was semi-relevant? Reggie Jackson was 191, uh, much more useful in points leagues as he was kind of a punt field goal percent guy. Uh, he does not need to be on draft boards in any way, shape, or form. They'll, they'll find him a way to play, but his, his fantasy game is just a complete disaster. And then with John Wall, we saw kind of the same issue. A low-usage John Wall is not going to be a ton of fun. He's not a good percentages guy. His value would come from scoring and assists and steals. Maybe he does still get the steals. He's getting older. We don't know what shape he's in. Not playing for a couple years probably extends the career, I guess, but... You know, nine cat roto, this is not a guy that needs to be selected. If you want to just take a flyer on it, I'm okay with that. And so to that end, I'll put him at the top of the that sort of trash bucket we've started. He's the most interesting player in that trash bucket because he's likely to start and play near starters minutes. And, you know, that's that was like tenant number two in fantasy is... If you're a starter and you're playing starters minutes, you have a much better shot at fantasy value than someone who isn't either of those things. The ultimate in simplification. All right, so that's the Clippers. Uh, moving along through the Pacific Division, I believe the Lakers would be next. Uh, right? Yeah, they were just ahead of the Kings, a couple of games ahead of the Kings. I had to double-check myself on that because both those teams were deucing down their leg at the end of the year, or most of the year, actually. Uh, it was the Lakers, and this one will be an easier one. See, we get a hard one, we get an easy one. Isn't that nice? The, the world levels out for us. The Lakers had four players last year that were inside the top 150 per game, and only two of those four players are still on the Lakers. The two that are not at least for now, Carmelo Anthony, and, speaking of the Sacramento Kings, Malik Monk. So you don't have to worry about those guys as we work through the Lakers. You don't have to worry about Taylor Norton Tucker because his fantasy game is not very good. You don't have to worry about Russell Westbrook because his fantasy game is awful at this stage of his career. And then if you're looking at other guys that might take some kind of small step forward, Stanley Johnson, no. Austin Reeves, he probably will take a step forward, but not enough. So, bleh. Wenyan Gabriel, like him. they like him, but, you know, he was number 452 last year. So, yeah. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is a name I want to talk about in just a second. But the Lakers are obviously a, a two-man operation right now. And barring a trade, which still might happen, you know, we've heard about Indiana, we've heard about the Spurs taking on some contracts, we've heard about Brooklyn being involved... It's LeBron and AD. It's LeBron and AD at this point. Now, remember, at the top, we're leaning a bit more into totals than we might otherwise. As we talked about sort of this fight for number two, I did have LeBron and Steph in relatively tight company. 
it'll be hard, I think, to take LeBron knowing simply how old he is, which I know is a little bit dumb because he played 37 minutes a game last year and had just an unreal per-game production, but he did only play 56 games, and having to do that much takes the toll. There's going to have to be this trade-off with Braun where if they can get his minutes down to, like, 34, he probably plays an extra 10 ball games, and then, yeah, I mean, that does help his totals value, but if his minutes come down by 10%, could he possibly stay in front of Steph on a per-game basis if, you know, again, their game's totals at that point are somewhat close? That's why I give the slight edge to Steph there. I would slot LeBron in behind him. I have no qualms with this decision, simply because, again, that's the trade-off. If you want LeBron at number four per game, he's going to have to play 37 minutes a night, and it's not going to go great for his health. Dude's almost as old as I am. It's going to be the case forever. And as I've said before, I know what my neck and back feel like when I roll out of bed in the morning. A lot of that's because I'm chasing children half the day, but you get it. Anthony Davis is a little bit of a tougher one, although luckily right now we don't have that many other names in this particular part of the board. The question you ask yourself is, would you rather have AD or that Chris Paul, Devin Booker type duo where, in in all likelihood... CP3, Booker, those guys probably play more games than AD. But on a per-game basis, there's actually now a pretty good size jump. Anthony Davis was worth about 30% more than Chris Paul and Booker this last year. And then when you're sort of comparing them to, uh, like, the average fantasy production, it's a big de- that's a big deal. That's a big deal over the course of the year. So AD only got to 41 games this last season, and yes, obviously that's a, that's a terrible number. Uh, that only got him to number 93 by totals. But we're not talking about that much more that he would have needed to do to get into the upper crust, whatever cutoff you want to put that, in overall value. Take a look at, say, Jimmy Butler, for instance, who was number 14 by averages, played in 57 ball games. And he was number 32. Pretty easy to do some fuzzy math there and say, look, if Anthony Davis got to 57 games, he was ahead of Butler on a per-game basis. Again, there was a a decent-sized gap there. So if you give AD 11 extra... I mean, if that's all it's taking... Sorry, 16 extra ball games, Anthony Davis missed half the year. If we even start talking about him in that Kevin Durant mold of, like, missing a third of the year... That's basically what Jimmy Butler did as well. And now you're talking about AD hovering in the mid-20s. Mid to late 20s. If Anthony Davis gets to 60 games played this year, he probably has better totals value than Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I think we have to take that shot. Because if something incredible happens, and Anthony Davis gets to league average even number of games this year, then he's a first-round guy. Anthony Davis has to do a lot wrong to fall out of the first round. That's how viable his fantasy game is. This is, by the way, with his free-throw shooting still sucking. He was quite bad, again, at the foul line. He manages to do this while shooting like high 60s, low 70s at the free-throw line. I don't think that number's coming back. 
But a healthy Anthony Davis is over 20 points per game, near 10 rebounds, three and a half or more defensive stats, three assists, high volume, good field goal percent addition. If the free throw stuff magically returns for AD, he's a top three fantasy player. He, ha- he has that makeup and did for many years. But I, you know, when you get the yips, you get the yips. I don't think that's going away. So treat AD more like a top 12 type of fantasy play where if he gets to league average number of games played, obviously he ends up in the late first round and anything above that is gravy. And then pray he doesn't miss 40 games again. But if he only misses 20, then he probably stays inside the second round. Almost definitely, actually. Excuse me. He definitely stays inside the second round if he only misses 20 ball games, So he's got to be in front of uh, Paul and Booker for me just because of that upside that those two guys don't really have either because of age or just general fantasy game. Now, of course, we take a look instead at what's going on with the Lakers so far this offseason, and it's, you know, not anything (laughs) earth-shattering. Uh, but, you know, we got to look at a guy like a Kendrick Nunn, who's likely to play at some point this year. Um, what else is floating around in that team? They signed Thomas Bryant to kind of back up the center position. Damian Jones is also kicking around at that center spot. Lonnie Walker, the fourth they brought in. Juan Toscano-Anderson. There's a lot of the middling names on this team, and most of them won't see enough time to be relevant. The, 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 of the name, and Troy Brown Jr. was another guy the Lakers brought in. Of the guys that the Lakers have that we just listed, that's sort of floating around, Kendrick Nunn is a guy you could look at and say there's an outside shot, but I don't think you need to draft him. If we see something wild during training camp, like if he's ready to go and he is the full-time starting shooting guard on that club, which he probably should be if he's healthy enough to play. I don't, there sort of isn't another reasonable option there. Um, he could have a path inside the top 150. But again, there's minimal upside there. So I'd maybe throw him just in front of Nick Batum in our... I feel bad calling it the trash bucket, but that is kind of what it is. That's sort of the dumpster bucket, and you're just hunting upside at that point. And then the centers the Lakers brought in, those are the other guys you'd look at and say, there is a shot if one of them sort of wins the battle. It's just hard to see Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones, either one of them kind of separating themselves from the other one, to be the non-Anthony Davis center minutes. And by the way, not for nothing... The AD center minutes, they're not good for a guy who's hurt all the time. I know everybody's like, Lakers' best lineup is with AD at center. That's probably true, but the Lakers' best lineup has Anthony Davis in it. And he won't last long with the centers. He needs to be roaming on defense. He needs to be not smashing up against guys that are, frankly, the size of Damian Jones. 250, that's too much. AD is 250. He needs to be playing against guys that are like 220. 230. Certainly no 260, 270s. What's Dwight Howard? 260-something? Yeah, that's just not... That's not the game for AD. We know no extra weight on that poor soul. Those glass legs. No! That's the Laker fan just yelling. And But again, that's also what they're going to do. They understand 
what's needed, which is AD upright. So, if we get word, and this is one of those things that you can't really do right now, if we get word that either Thomas Bryant or Damian Jones has just run away with the job, which feels a far-fetched end point, I think Bryant, Bryant making a tiny bit more money, I don't remember it, but I feel like they're both on a minimum or something. Uh, if Thomas Bryant runs away with it or if Damian Jones runs away with it, you could take a look at that. Bryant has a better path to fantasy value in like 22, 23 minutes of ball game. Damian Jones needs a little bit more because he's really exclusively would be rebounds and field goal percent. Bryant could hit a three-pointer. He's a better free throw shooter, stuff like that. Uh, but again, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. And so... Go ahead and throw them behind Kendrick Nunn, but ahead of Nick Batum. They're down in the dumpster bin also. The reason they're even on the board is because if we get word during training camp that something's happening, I want them to already be on our list, and we can just grab them and move them around. Really, that's that's the only reason. All right, so what we're going to do now is, because now you've kind of gone gone through us here on two shows and how we slot guys into the list, we have 14 dudes that are kind of in the, I would consider drafting them, and then we have another, like, 10 that are in the, the trash bucket. Uh, kind of like a cooking show, I'm going to do a few of these myself. You guys don't need to hear me go through every team and two by two. We'll be here un- until 2025 at that point. Uh, so we're going to just put this in the oven now and let it cook. And then when we come back tomorrow's show, Friday's weekend edition, uh, hopefully we'll be, I'm going to, I'm biting off a lot here. I'm going to try to get through most of the Western conference. So you guys can kind of get an idea of what this list looks like as it's a bit more populated. Uh, and then maybe we do a few extra Eastern conference teams for Friday's show. And uh, hopefully we can get this first pass done early next week or middle next week at the absolute latest, because pass two is also a really complicated one. And that one's going to be a very tough pass to do via podcast, but I'm going to do my damn best. Have a great Thursday, everybody. This one went 30 minutes. I did two damn teams. Good Lord. I did say that this pass takes, what did I say, three or four hours? Probably longer than that if I'm talking about it every every step of the way. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Love you guys. I love you guys. I, I still can't believe uh, how incredibly fast this offseason is going now, especially when you look at the, the growth of the show. Thank you. Thank you all. See you guys tomorrow.